Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is October 30th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Miami Dolphins. So, to get right into it, the Miami Dolphins, who are 3-3, three three, will face off against the Los Angeles Rams, who are 5-2. This game this Sunday will be at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So, the Dolphins franchise is legendary in large part because of two individuals. One is the late coach Don Shula and the other is quarterback Dan Marino. Now, the latter of those two was one of the greatest quarterbacks the game has ever seen, and he is the reason the Dolphin fans have had these high expectations for their quarterbacks over the last two decades. Now, since then, the Dolphins haven't found another Marino, and maybe they never will, but this Sunday could be the start of a brand new, prosperous era for Miami. It could be the era of Tua Tungavailoa. So we'll begin by taking a look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins offense is 22nd in total yards per game. They're passing. They are 17th in passing yards per game. And in rushing, they are also 22nd. Now, this will be the first professional start for Tua Tungavailoa, the rookie, coming two weeks after he made his NFL debut against the Jets. Little refresher, he played one drive in that game. He went two for two, and he had nine yards. Now, as with many rookies, it's really difficult to predict how they will adapt to the professional level. We have seen college stars collapse when they get to the NFL. And on the other hand, we have seen guys who were pretty average in college take this massive leap once they got into the pros. But most seem to think that Tua has this generational talent that gives him a very good chance at becoming the next big star of the NFL. So this will be Tua's first start since he suffered that serious hip injury all the way back in November of 2019. At the time of the injury, many said that it could be career-threatening. He has since made a full recovery, but he admits he isn't sure how it's going to feel when he gets hit for the first time. Little quote from him here. He says, It's been a long time coming, but that's the nature of the game. Every hit is different in football. I don't think you can ever prepare for hits. Close quote. So, as many of you are probably aware, many media members such as ESPN's Dan Orlov and Mina Kimes have criticized the move to name Tua the starter. They believe the offensive line that Miami currently has right now just isn't good enough to protect the rookie against a tough Rams front. But to me, the Dolphins offensive line has been respectable all season. Anybody who covers the Dolphins and watches all their games will likely tell you the same. At no point have they truly gotten completely overpowered. But again, it's important to note how well Ryan Fitzpatrick is when it comes to handling pressure and moving in the pocket. He also tremendously helped in that aspect. Now, the Dolphins offensive line will once again be without their rookie left tackle, Austin Jackson. They will presumably, as of right now, rely on rookie right tackle Robert Hunt to be protecting Tua's blindside. Now, it will be interesting to see whether the team elects to move Jesse Davis over back to right tackle where he started before Austin Jackson got hurt or whether they're going to keep him over there at left tackle. Just something to keep your 
eye on. Now, this game should also feature another heavy dose of running back Miles Gaskin. Gaskin continues to be effective this season. He is coming off what was the best game of his career so far. He had a total of 126 yards in that game. Now, Matt Breida was hardly involved against the Jets. He finished with only 22 yards, but as we have seen several times throughout this season, he is somebody who has just electric speed and could really take off at any moment. Jordan Howard, who has been mentioned in trade talks recently, has been a healthy scratch from the last two games, and there's really no reason to believe that that won't be the case again this week. If we go to take a look at the wide receivers for Miami, Devontae Parker still leads the team in nearly every receiving category. Now, week six against the Jets was Devontae Parker's least productive game of the season. He finished with only 35 yards in this game. Now, as of right now, he is currently on pace for 971 yards on the season. Still, it is a respectable number, but it is notably lower than his 1,202 yards of last season. Again, that is just a projection as of right now. Now, earlier this week, the Dolphins elected to extend tight end Adam Shaheen. Shaheen was coming off of the best game of his career so far. It was in week six against the Jets. He recorded 51 yards receiving, and he also had a touchdown. As a whole, the Dolphins' tight ends have been reliable in terms of their red zone targets. They have five of the teams receiving touchdowns. And again, that tight end group is made up of Mike Gesicki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen. Tight end Mike Gesicki right now is second on the team in receiving yards with 281. But so far, he has been truly the definition of boom or bust this season. He has two games with over 90 yards this season. But in the other four games, he is averaging 15 yards receiving. So again, truly a boomer bust. And that same thing could be said about Preston Williams. He leads the Dolphins right now in receiving touchdowns with three, but like a sicky boomer bust. He had a career high 106 yards receiving against San Francisco, but in the other five games for this whole season, he has combined for only 107. So if we take a look at the Dolphins defense here, in total yards allowed, the Dolphins are 16th. In passing yards allowed, they are also 16th. And in rushing yards allowed, they are 19th. This will be the first time Brian Flores faces the Los Angeles Rams since that Super Bowl where Flores served as a de facto defensive coordinator for the Patriots. The Rams came into that game as the second highest scoring team in the league. But whether it was the Bill Belichick or Brian Flores-led defense, whatever you want to call it, they just put on a historic showcase of dominance in that Super Bowl, holding the Rams to only three points. The Dolphins' defense has been the very clear weakness of the team, at least earlier on in the season, but after two solid outings, it may be time to start easing up on them quite a bit. In week six, they shut out the Jets. It was a performance that included two interceptions and three sacks, and the week before that, they dominated the 49ers. They got five sacks in that game, and recorded two interceptions just in the first half. Now, the star of this defense, you probably heard a ton about him, is Xavier Howard. Howard, once again, leads the NFL in interceptions with four and has recorded an interception in each of the last four games. Aside from one bad outing against Seattle and DK Metcalf, Howard has been playing lights out. He leads the NFL with three games in which he allowed zero yards in coverage, and that is per 
pro football focus. Now, if we take a look at the safeties here for Miami, they have been doing a great job. Eric Rowe and Brandon Jones, great season so far. Eric Rowe is second on the team in tackles. He has 31, and Brandon Jones isn't too far behind with 21. The two, with help from some of the linebackers at times, have been masterful when it comes to neutralizing the opposing tight ends. The Dolphins right now have surrendered only 213 yards to tight ends, and that is the third fewest in the entire NFL. If we take a look at the linebackers here, Jerome Baker has been all over the field this season. He is leading the team in tackles with 46, and he has been one of the primary players that's used in these blitzes over the last two games, blitzing 13 times against the Jets, and that is per pro football reference. Now, to stick with the linebackers, Kyle Van Noy was inactive week six against the Jets. He was limited at practice yesterday, and though the team didn't struggle without them in their last game, you know, it was against the Jets. Very important to note that he has been pretty consistent at applying pressure, and his versatility in coverage makes him a really important part of this defense. So just because they look good against the Jets last week, I'm not going to say that having Kyle Van Noy is somehow, uh, you know, not an important thing for the team. Now, the rest of the linebacker group would have to step up if Kyle Van Noy is surprisingly unable to play this week. Linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle has already been a hidden gem for this team. He is second on the team in sacks with two and a half, and he has been a disruptive force when it comes to uh, stopping the run. The guy has just looked great this season. Now, another guy here that has a potential to be the star of this defense, it's defensive end Emmanuel Ogba. A legitimate case for him being the best performer on defense. He has been getting to the quarterback at will this season. His five sacks have him in the top 10 of the entire NFL. He has recorded four sacks over the last three games. And if you look at some of the interceptions that have happened over the last three games, you'll likely see Emmanuel Ogba close to the quarterback applying pressure. Ogba has been getting help on the defensive line from another guy that fans already love. He's becoming a fan favorite. That is Zach Sealer. People love him for this high intensity style of play he brings. He is constantly in the quarterback's face applying pressure. And then alongside them has been Christian Wilkins. And Wilkins is coming off of his best game, I think, this season. He recorded a sack and he also had two deflections at the line of scrimmage. Now to talk about the defense as a whole, the Dolphins improved defensive performances, I think, could be attributed to the solid pressure applied and really the frequency of the blitzing that they've been sending. Through the first four games, the Dolphins sent an average of 17.25 players on a blitz, 17.25. But over the last two games, they have sent an average of 44.5 per game drastic difference and I think you can really tell by how aggressive the defense has looked recently as opposed to in the beginning of this season. Now we're going to switch over here and talk about the opponents in this game, the Los Angeles Rams. Now to begin with their offense, in total yards the Rams are 10th. In passing yards they are 18th and in rushing yards they are 7th. As mentioned earlier the Rams offense under Sean McVay was at one time the apple of every NFL franchise's eye. His success led the way to several other other young offensive-minded coaches being hired as it seemed like everybody was in a race to find the next Sean McVay. But since that Super Bowl, things have not really looked the same, and that is where we are currently at today. A passing offense that at one point was capable of having three 1,000-yard receivers is now on pace to not have any. Quarterback Jared Goff was a large part of the team's success in 2018, a year which he had 4,688 yards passing, 32 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions.
interceptions, but he too has seemingly snapped back to reality after a down year last year with only 22 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. Right now, he has 12 touchdowns and four interceptions. So I will say he looks better than last year for sure, but he is still a ways away from that 2018 form. Now, it's also important to note that great 2018 season for the Rams featured Todd Gurley, who was the the touchdown rushing leader of the NFL. He was a first team all pro, but right now the Rams are currently replacing Todd Gurley's production with a committee that's consisting of Daryl Henderson Jr., Malcolm Brown, and rookie Cam Akers. I will say the trio looks solid, each of them averaging over four yards per carry, and I will say the quick and shifty Daryl Henderson has been the more versatile of these three backs. He currently leads the team in rushing with 411 yards, and he has the most receiving yards out of the backfield with 109. Now, is he Todd Gurley from 2018? Not by any means, but he is still somebody who has been productive. Malcolm Brown has been the more powerful, I would say, of these three runners. He really comes in for the team in these red zone opportunities or these obvious run situations, and he too seems to thrive in those situations. Now, the Rams offense as a whole revolves heavily around the use of motions, uh, crossing routes, a bunch formation. Goff has also averaged a completed air yards of 5.3, which is in the bottom quarter of the entire NFL, and that essentially means that his passes when he throws them are not traveling far through the air. If we take a look here at wide receiver Cooper Cup, he leads the team in receiving yards, catches, and targets. He has 417 yards on the season, and 175 of those 417 have came after the catch. He is currently 7th in the NFL in yards after the catch, and if we look at wide receiver Robert Woods, he leads the Rams in receiving touchdowns with three, but he is not far behind from Cooper Cup in yards after the catch. Of his 351 receiving yards, 170 of those have came after the catch, and that is ninth in the NFL. So with the frequent use of these pre-snap motions, the Rams also like to use these receivers on sweep plays. Cup and Woods have combined for 132 yards rushing this season with an average of over seven yards per carry. So it's not a matter of if we're going to see this play happen. It's going to be a part of their game plan. It's just going to uh, matter how many times we see these guys get carries. Now, the Rams also have a group of these athletic sort of tight ends. They have Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, and Johnny Munt. And Higby has missed the past two games with a hand injury. It doesn't look like he is going to play. He was held out of practice again yesterday. And uh, Everett and Munt, they were both moderately involved last week. They combined for 75 yards, had a touchdown. I would say Higby is the better of them, and Gerald Everett is kind of this hybrid. He almost looks like a tight end, kind of that Quincy Anunua kind of build that I'm always referring back to. He is a very sneaky athletic tight end that almost looks like a wide receiver for the Rams. Now, if we take a look at the defensive side for the Rams, in total yards allowed, they are sixth. In passing yards allowed, they are fifth. And in rushing yards allowed, they are seventh. The Rams defense now appears to be the strength of this team. But if one is looking for a reason to think the Rams defense might be overrated, the argument could be made that they have faced several weak offenses. So far this season, they have faced the Washington football team, the Eagles, the Giants, all those teams are in the bottom 10 of the NFL. Now, the Rams are led on the 
defensive side by two-time Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald. Donald has not regressed in any form. He is second in the NFL in sacks with eight on the season. Four of Donald's sacks came against Washington in Week 5, and he also leads the teams in tackles for a loss with nine and forced fumbles with two. He is a force. You know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, when you go up against Aaron Donald, anybody who told you that Aaron Donald has regressed or he is not as good is frankly lying to you. Now, cornerback Jalen Ramsey is also quite the force on this defense. Most are already familiar with his unique skill set of being able to be a lockdown uh, cornerback on these premier wide receivers while also being this really physical tackler. As mentioned earlier with Xavier Howard, Ramsey has also done a great job at locking down his man all year. He trails Xavier Howard with the two games where he had allowed zero yards in coverage on the season. So uh, Jalen Ramsey, still a very capable, talented guy. I will say if you watched that Monday night game against the Bears, though, there were several key plays where he got beat and his man had an opportunity for a massive reception, but Nick Foles just could not connect on the throw. Now, safety John Johnson has been the one calling plays in the huddle for the Rams. He has the fifth most tackles in the league among safeties, and the Rams are continuing to rave about his versatility and value to the team. If we take a look at the linebackers here for the Rams, uh, Micah Kaiser leads the Rams in tackles with 53. He struggled in week one against Dallas, having recorded seven missed tackles just in that game. But in week two, then he bounced back, winning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Those ups and downs kind of summarizes a lot about the linebacker group for the Rams, because if we take a look at Leonard Floyd, who is also a linebacker here, he is coming off of the best game of his his career, two sacks and three quarterback hits against his former team, but he has also left a lot to be desired, generally speaking, about his performance this season. Now, it's not every week that I have to write or talk about an opposing team's punter, but yet here we are. The Rams have the best punter in football, someone who will probably go down as one of the best to ever play the position, and that is Johnny Hecker. Hecker is coming off of a historic game last week where he punted five balls and each of those landed within the 10 yard line. Hecker is a four time first team all pro and yeah he is that good. If the Dolphins force the Rams to punt just be ready for them to be pinned far in their own territory. Now we're going to get into my expectations for this game. The first one I have here is that the Rams feast on yards after the catch. The Rams offense features an abundance of these pre-snap motions, the crossing routes and just a general style of horizontal movement movement. Players like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup thrive on beating their man to the inside on these short to intermediate routes and getting these kind of yards after the catch. I like Xavier Howard's ability as a ball hawk, but I'm not sure he is even quick enough to keep up with these shifty players in the short game or in the open field. And I especially worry about a player like Nick Needham or Jamal Perry who will struggle in the slot. The Rams use a bunch formation a lot and these pick plays to kind of create confusion so it's very possible that with this, they can turn these short completions into big gains. Now, my next expectation is that Tua has an all right performance. While I am optimistic about Tua's future, and I think there are some better matchups for him on the schedule, this is just a tough matchup for me to see him absolutely thriving in. I expect the team to focus on the short game to kind of build his confidence up, which will 
in a sense limit his upside for this game, but I imagine there are a few plays that we'll see that showcase his talent, but I could also see him having some of these rookie hiccups and throwing several interceptions. Again, nothing to worry about long term, but at the same time, I must say I will be shocked if he comes out here and just dominates in his first game, but I'll be surprised pleasantly. I definitely would like to see that, but I would just be shocked. Now, my next and last expectation is that we see a heavy dose of Miles Gaskin in this game. That partly ties into the previous point in regards to focusing on the short to intermediate game, uh, which would in a sense help Gaskin, but I also expect there to be a lot of pressure and blitzes from the Rams to test out the rookie to a tongue of Iloa, and that could lead to Gaskin kind of taking on a role as more of a safety valve for Tua, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has his highest reception total of the season in this game. Now, we're going to get into my keys to the victory for this game. The first one is to limit Aaron Donald. I've been a broken record when it comes to this point, but Donald is arguably the best player in the entire NFL, and even the top tier of offensive lines have to really be on their game to stop Aaron Donald. The Dolphins right now have an offensive line consisting of two rookies, two average or so veterans, and a liability in Jesse Davis. At best, though, this season, they have been slightly above average, and at worst, they have been slightly below average. But again, at no point this season do I think they have been outright bad. So this cannot be a game where they do look outright bad. My next key to the victory here is the Dolphins secondary must be physical and communicate. The secondary has looked great recently, but this game may force them to be more physical and make heat tackles in the open field. We've seen them succeed so far downfield as ball hawks are in coverage, but we're going to need to see how they fare at containing their man in the short game when the ball is already in the receiver's hands. With all the motions and the bunch formations that the Rams are going to use to create these mismatches, the communication in the secondary must be on point. I'm already expecting a game with a high amount of yards after the catch for the Rams, but if the Dolphins can't keep it under control, it could define that whole side of the ball. Now, my last key to the victory for this game is attack the center of the field. Going back and looking at the Rams' losses to the Bills and the 49ers, both Garoppolo and Josh Allen mercilessly attacked the center of the field. Allen was 9 for 9 on passes between the hash marks, and Garoppolo was 15 for 16. Whether this means getting Mike Gesicki more involved or more of Isaiah Ford, it seems like the undersized Rams linebacker unit struggles in pass coverage. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up this preview episode. I would love to know what you guys think. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, either at via the source or at Shady Steve. And if you haven't followed already, that would be a huge help. If you could uh, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, if you enjoyed this episode, that would also help a ton. And if you find yourself, you know, uh, having a YouTube channel and you want to watch some videos, if you could check out via the source, I'm sure if you type in on YouTube via the source dolphins, it will be one of the first one that comes up. Uh, if you could subscribe over there that would also be a tremendous help to me and again if you have any comments or topics that you would like for me to discuss or questions in future episodes uh, you can send them my way uh, either publicly or in a private message either one will work just fine but guys that is how i'm going to wrap it up until next time i'm steve amasso and this was via the source